Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Full Pump Music Podcast. Shortly, we will be joined by the Subways, who have just put out their first new album in eight years, Uncertain Joys. But before then, the usual reminders from myself, if you would, please do follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And of course, if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, wherever you are watching or listening. Excellent. Well, um, welcome, Billy, to the Full Pelt Music podcast. Um, obviously, absolutely delighted to have you on. Your band, The Subways, have just released um, your new album, Uncertain Joys, um, which we'll talk to you about in just a moment. But, you know, first of all, you've just come off um, a takeover in London at Paper Dress Vintage, um, where you've taken over three nights, played yourself and put on some other awesome bands. You know, So how how was that experience for you? Um, it was absolutely um, amazing, you know, uh, <laughs> it just being part of something over an extended period, being able to curate it and book the bands that we really love. Um, so it, for us as music appreciators, it was just a joy to be part of. We all felt so proud. Um, and then, you know, on two of the evenings we were performing. So uh, the first night was acoustic set. So we had... Um, Nicole from Lux Jury. Um, we had the Yes Mess and we had uh, Lilith Eye. Uh, and we were so busy enjoying everybody's acoustic shows. We we're like, oh yeah, I've got to go, I've got to go get ready. I've got to get my acoustic <laughs> guitar ready. Uh, that was great. And the second day was a curated evening. We had um uh, Adult Fiction, uh Cat Bear Who I Chose, and Arcs Who Camille Chose. Um and we introduce the bands <laughs> we you know we're so used to being up on stage and speaking down the microphone but getting up on stage to just speak down the microphone without a guitar without like roaring into a new song or anything like that it was uh yeah i went up with all these ideas of what i was gonna say about cat bear you know i, I they they messaged me on twitter and i fell in love with their music and you know i've been wanting to um uh, ha uh see them play live but this is their first ever gig and wow. all, all all this stuff and it just fell out of my head i got so <laughs> nervous um but uh, everyone was really lovely um but i didn't do a camille when camille introduced arcs <laughs> she she explained about um why she chose them and you know all the songs that she loves but she walked away from the microphone and then quickly ran back and went oh by the way they're called arcs <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious and everyone just burst into laughter there was just a general great jovial celebratory feeling going around and uh yeah so last night we had uh, a young band called the molotov supporting and then we played about an hour and 10 minutes interspersed with classics and, yeah. and new songs and um you know there was just a room full of people we love <laughs> um and some fans and uh, familiar faces and some new faces too so um i'm still kind of i'm still coming down you know after a gig it takes a while for me to kind of settle down for the adrenaline to yeah uh, you know be released and all that kind of stuff but i woke up this morning still kind of pumped <laughs> even though like my whole body is aching not just from like the show because our show is 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 quite like um uh active yeah uh, we do a lot of running around and bouncing and jumping and i do a lot of stage diving so i use a lot of my body but you know standing and watching every single act which we did um my calves are killing me i <laughs> <laughs> just standing there i never realized how much energy it took to just stand and watch 
Um, but yeah, a, a great, great three days. Um, it's going to take me a while to get over it. Uh, but thankfully, we, we've got a tour starting next week. So just a few days rest. Yeah. Let my voice rest. Let my body catch up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think we'll hit leads nicely. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm so glad you enjoyed it because, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a while really since you've uh had new music to put out there eight years since your last album so yeah. um obviously uncertain joys came out last week uh as we or that was yesterday as we speak so yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it it was yesterday as we friday speak. the 13th which i love <laughs> yeah yeah brave decision to release yeah. on that day yeah definitely <laughs> um so you know how does it feel how does it feel for you to get that new music out into the world um without wanting to sound too cliche it sounds very surreal um as you say it's been eight years and this record has been in the works for about five years i started writing when uh, i went to uni because after our fourth record i uh, wrote uh, recorded and mixed it and then we went out and toured it and by the time i finished the tour i was utterly shattered and we'd been doing it for about 15 years solid. Yeah. Um, and I decided, you know, I really like books. <laughs> I really like reading. I like literature. So I'm going to apply to uni and, and go to uni for three years. And I broached it with Charlotte and Josh. And thankfully, they were like three years away from Billy. Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, Charlotte, Charlotte had her two babies. Uh, Josh spent the three years in France with his daughter where she lives. Um, and they, you know, we all experienced our respective three years of bliss. But yeah, I spent three years sort of um, just pulling ideas together when I briefly had the time in between <laughs> writing essays about poetry and prose. Um, and these were really interesting ideas, I think, because um, when I enrolled and then, you know, started studying at university, I found myself uh, untethered from my identity which i'd kind of built up to that point as like a guy in a band a songwriter yeah. you know so ever since we released our first record or you know even before that when we were writing songs my mind had always been very analytical about music and that's where my appreciation kind of veered towards so uh, when i was at uni i was none of that i was just a guy at a university reading books submitting essays um and i became a music appreciator again like when i was a kid so um i <clears throat> went down all these various dark alleys uh genrically uh where otherwise i would never usually go and i just fell in love with all these different kinds of music i felt i fell deeply in love with uh jazz quartets uh particularly um uh, uh quartets with a clarinet i fell in love with a clarinet but i also uh, became uh, enamored with uh, synth music um i started get, really getting into the 80s synth bands um and then i uh developed a liking for synthwave music so i'd subscribe to all these various synthwave record labels dotted around the globe um one in russia one in estonia one over in japan uh, and they'd release music you know once or twice every month compilations of these really obscure artists making this delicious synthwave music and i got so so <laughs> lost in that like i'd swamp myself with it um and it's it became you know a, a new form of bliss for me so uh, when it came to pulling all these various ideas that i'd written uh, phrases melodies lyrics um during my time as merely just a music appreciator I presented uh, Josh and Charlotte with the idea of um, introducing synths into our instrumentation 
setup and they were more than up for it so uh yeah that's why songs like uncertain joys love waiting on you jolie coeur uh, and futures came about um but yeah uh you know we we kind of pulled those ideas together and made a record and then the pandemic <laughs> stumbled <laughs> upon all of us so uh you know we're a live touring band we we love the carnivalesque experience of being on stage and losing yourself in the moment and you know breaking down the barrier between the band and the audience and and getting really involved getting hot and sweaty and screaming from the primal soul um so uh you know we we really missed all of that um and we decided that we weren't going to release the record unless we could be back on stage again and properly tour the album so that meant another couple of years until yeah. we released the album so yeah by the time we decided on a date it we were like it's going to be eight years now since the last record but um yeah you know hopefully people will see that you know we 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 don't release albums willy-nilly that you know we only release pieces of work that we're really proud of and that we believe in and um yeah now that it's released um after keeping it in the locker for so long it feels like i have just released a breath of air that i've been holding in for about eight years so uh, yeah it's, it's great um there's always a lot of tension around the release of a record um especially for me um you know who's uh <laughs> very like um yeah i'm inclined to bouts of depression and stress and anxiety so uh when something that you believe in and you love is finally kind of sent out into yeah. the world and people start forming their opinions as beautiful as that process is i, I also find it very um uh almost traumatizing but um yeah. i think i've dealt with this release the best i've ever dealt with any release uh of our five records um and i'm just now uh, I had a couple of days of sort of like just sitting down and, and crying a little bit. <laughs> just like, it's just all so overwhelming, you know, yeah. uh, that these songs that we've worked so hard on, uh, that we troubled ourselves over and, you know, uh, you know, and, and it's all tied up with losing Josh as well. Our drummer, my yeah. brother, um, he decided that he didn't want to be in the band anymore, that um, he'd, you know, he, he's got Asperger's, uh, he's always found being in the band a very, very strenuous task. Um, he has heroically seen out the 15 years he spent with us, getting on stage in front of thousands of people every single night with his neurodivergent uh, uh, yeah. um, uh, uh, brain patterns and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, when he was like, look, I just want to have my own studio. I want to make my own music and not have to get up on stage anymore. I was like, you do you, man. That's absolutely fine. And uh, I around that time um fell in love with the Ramonas who um are a uh, um a punk rock band who initially started out uh doing all Ramones covers but they're they're all women and there was a drummer called Camille Phillips who I just like I thought she's incredible she's great so when Josh left I was like maybe I should ask Camille to join the band and I sent her this Instagram message and she got straight back to me and was like yes oh, that would be great <laughs> um so that was nice and easy <laughs> um so yeah uh all, all this baggage comes along with with releasing this new record so there have been like these these periods of emotional venting of 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 like just taking moments to breathe and process and get through it but um all in all it's been absolutely wonderful and everyone involved has been so helpful they've worked so hard i'm so proud of everybody and um our fans have been 
wonderful uh with their um with their comments so yeah um it's just great to and also you know when you go on stage uh you want people to know the songs so finally we'll be going on stage and these aren't like brand new close to the bone uh performances uh where there's always this like oh god are we doing the you know is this is this working can this uh in be incorporated into our life set all these things are running through your mind but now like intrinsically they're part of our corpus so um i mean we played you kill my call last night and it was the first time i think where it actually really worked yeah you know um and it was this moment like aha so this is what it feels like to have the album out everyone was screaming the lyrics and you know because it's a much slower song than we've ever released before Uh, and lyrically it's very (laughs) it's very um kind of bawdy (laughs) you know and very naughty uh, and there were some rice smiles I could see in the audience. So, um, yeah, um, magical. That's one word for it. I'm sorry. I spent yeah. a long time explaining that. But, yeah, magical was the feeling. No, uh, it, it's lovely to listen. And it's lovely to to hear how excited you are and how proud you are of, of putting it out there. Because, um, you know, the music industry is quite tough n- to navigate and putting a new album out there. There's such a big machine that has to go behind it. it yeah. You know, it's an industry I always think should be about having fun for the listener and for the artist. But, you know, certainly behind the scenes, there's so much work that goes into it. And obviously for this album, as you've discussed, you know, lo- losing a band member, getting a new member in, the pandemic, um, you know, motherhood for Charlotte. Yeah. University for yourself. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, everything has been chucked at you and you've been able to come out the other side with quite probably your, your obviously your most eclectic uh, collection of songs as, as a band that you've put out there um so how um do you think that you know, the new songs have gone down with that audience do you say because it is kind of a it's not a departure it's still definitely the subways when you listen to it but there's yeah you know some uh you know extremes there that perhaps weren't there before yeah how, how do you feel those new songs have gone down with your audience um thankfully really really well i mean i was really apprehensive about charlotte putting down her bass guitar and slinking Mm. in behind the synthesizers and and (laughs) what audiences would think of that and at first there was like "Ooh," (laughs) you know (laughs) um but we played uh uncertain joys love waiting on you last night and um you know uh (laughs) just the responses were so heartening um but it is it is scary uh because as you say it's it's kind of a departure for us but more than anything what we didn't want to do was lose our sense of self mm. lose our subways esqueness or whatever that you know whatever the the word would be for it um you know we want people to know that when they're listening to the song that that's definitely us but at the same time that we're expanding um but not changing so um that that's a big thing for us but yeah eclectic is something that's i would suppose apart from maybe all or nothing which is our most genrically consistent record mm. we've always been a bit like hop skippy jumpy from one genre to the next and that's just because of like the um how broad our musical tastes are yeah. um you know i grew up on motown music so smoky robinson the miracles is my all-time favorite nirvana kylie minogue madonna uh t-rex um acdc oasis foo fighters um so uh taking the time to actually make way for those influences to come in was a a very big thing for us an important thing for us and a, a special moment and um kind of a validation of ourselves as well of our true selves um 
and uh at the same time i think that it's kind of par for the course for us because i remember when our first record came out and um a word in a quite prominent review for our first record said that it was schizophrenic and that you know one day we'll find our niche and I can just remember thinking even way back then as like a teenager I don't want to find a niche no. <laughs> you know I want to be able to be an artist that's kind of you know bouncing around and um I think like the history uh, and the culture of music has always been taking on something that you love and making it yours and and by virtue of it going through your own respective filters that are contingent on your own experiences in life and through music that it um inherently becomes something new you know it's a new piece of work even if you're using samples um so uh i mean you just have to look at like um the breakout of hip-hop in in the 80s which was all built upon taking samples of earlier artists and doing something completely new with it changing its genre changing its um uh, its dynamics changing the way that it affects the listener so um when it came to playing the synths it was always for us about like keeping the guitars in the form keeping the beat of the drum in the form but at the same time making space for the synths having the synths be prominent without clouding the speakers too much um and in that sense charlotte put a lot of thought into her synthesizer parts um and yeah when we played uncertain joys last night we tend to play it a little groovier a little yeah. slower on stage and um it we play it just after a song called girls and boys from our second record which is kind of like pseudo metal <laughs> you know <laughs> which is a I, it was inspired by my love of rage against the machine and um you know some prog rock bands like rush um so uh yeah uh when we started playing that it felt like people got it because people are used to us kind of going here's a punk song holiday here's an acoustic song lines of light you know from our first record here's a proggy song somewhere so um whilst yeah you know we're apprehensive that oh charlotte's going behind the synths there's still a part of it that's like well you kind of should expect it when you come to a subway show um and uh, thankfully people have um kind of just gone with it and that's that's great you know that 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 reinstates our belief in the fact that you know people aren't stupid <laughs> you know their musical tastes are broad as well um and that they can accommodate uh shifts and changes in genre and in approach uh as well as any you know music appreciator so uh yeah yeah it's heartening yeah it, it is, and, and I love that you used the word uh, validation earlier because I, I, I another V word. I was thinking vindication because you know obviously that that long journey. Um, but you say uh, I love when you said you want to keep that um, identity of the subways through it, and I think you've mm -hmm. definitely achieved that. Um, you know, it's a fantastic album, and listeners really do need to to go and listen to it if they haven't already. Um, and ideally, you know, talk about the tough music industry. Ideally, go and buy a copy of it. You know, physical copy from somewhere obviously would be ideal. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, yeah. Um, one of the first songs that came out from it um a couple of years ago now really was was fight yeah um which is uh just yeah a brilliant you know uh, sort of heavy song that you know i i certainly enjoyed when it first came out musically but of course you know lyrically there's there's um you know some really important um context behind it and 
um again tough music industry um and you know interesting that you talked about that review and obviously how they um wanted to almost box you in and it feels like you know part of that big machine is you have to be pigeonholed into some genre yeah so that they can just stick you up on a shelf and say yeah here you go here's some punk here's some rock whatever it may be yeah um and a lot of bands these days I feel uh, are afraid to talk about important subjects because they don't want to alienate an audience that's already competing for you know but between so many bands you know are competing yeah. for the same audience. So I mean, firstly, you know, kudos to to you and the band for for being willing to tackle these subjects. Um, and also the question would be, you know, I, I assume that you do feel it's it's an important thing for you with the platform you have to tackle social injustices such as that and the others that you do. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, one of one of the core reasons why I felt like I, I, I should write that song is because before I went to uni, um, I really wanted to have a discussion with Billy Bragg about, you know, broaching these kinds of subjects, having been a musician that, you know, beforehand was writing songs about, uh, I don't know, good times and and yeah. um, and and. Uh, and relationships and friendships and all that kind of stuff so dealing with such important subject matter was not something that i was going to take lightly um but i was also uh quite scared yeah because yeah. alienation of an audience is is something that is um so it it it's something that uh is an, it's an anxiety that all bands suffer at the moment just because like retaining your core audience and you know being able to fill out venues and sell records just to get by especially with the music industry in the state that it's currently in um is such an incredible challenge um it's almost like trying to find your way through a fog um but i sat down billy was kindly enough to um uh sit down with me over coffee when he was writing one of his books um over at the british library uh, in king's cross uh, and I just said to him, um, well, firstly, I started off the conversation with, oh, you did a cover of Tracks of My Tears, didn't you? He's like, yeah, it's my all-time favourite song. I was like, it's my all-time favourite song too. It's the song that made me fall in love with music. It's the song that made me fall in love with love and unrequited love, which has all, always been very important subject matters for me in songs. But I said, look, that, you know, I've become very politically minded over the last couple of years. And um, it's not just through necessity. It's just because, you know, there's a huge part of my soul that believes I should be doing something. I've got the microphone. I'm up on stage. I should be using it for good, not just for good times, but for good. Um, and I don't know how to um, make that transition without it feeling like, you know, we're just crowbarring this subject matter into our yeah. corpus. And he said, don't worry about any of that. If you start worrying about how people are going to receive your stuff, you won't be able to fully express the true you. If you believe in this stuff and you feel like you feel compelled that this is something that you have to say as part of who you are, do it. Believe in it. Believe in yourself. Trust yourself. Go and write that song. Um and I remember just as I was saying goodbye, we were stood at the top of the stairs in that huge atrium um, and he put his hand very gently on my shoulder and he said, just remember Elvis, right? Everyone told Elvis to stare at politics. And I remember that's something that my mum always reminded me, stare at politics, mm. just write songs that your fans are going to be happy with. And I, I, I said that to him and he said, well, actually, let me just tell you about In the Ghetto. When Elvis recorded and released in the ghetto he 
declared that he was never ever going to release a song again that didn't have social content in it that it was so important that he talked about that subject matter that he had to use his voice from then on and i was like that completely blows apart any preconceived ideas of i had about writing political music that it lumps you in with mm. just political artists that actually um it's kind of um uh it's something that we can and should do um, and uh, be unafraid of it simply by virtue of the the subject matter being so important. I mean, if you really think about it, the world is ending, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and I want to make sure that if I am to shuffle off this mortal call, that I've done the very least I could possibly do to participate in the shifting of perspectives of the core audience, even if we lose them. And I remember when we first uh, declared our solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement, this was some time before we even released Fight uh, on Facebook and the barrage of, mm. of horrid messages from dedicated fans was heartbreaking yeah, and shocking, surprising more than anything that people would be so adversely um, combative. Yeah um and it really told me that it was important that we just that we took the time to do what we could regardless of how many people would become combative and resist that messaging to attempt to bridge that gap between their beliefs and ours um and i did my best to listen and then i didn't <laughs> and then i got angry um and i just um resolved to um, leaving the posts behind and just saying it in the songs because yeah. that's where they're really going to hear it. That's where, um, that's where it's probably going to have its most powerful um, and um, efficacious impact. Because if you um, frame something uh, in a non-political way, um, people are more receptive to it. You know, if you if you create a beat and a riff and a melody, then it's almost like the messaging that comes along with it lyrically uh, by osmosis is something that they maybe more passively recognize. Yeah. That in moments of self-reflection, they realize that maybe there's something there that they should think about. Um, and uh, once people listen to the song, I found the same ones who were initially combative with our declaration declaration in solidarity with black lives matter came forwards and said, I disagree still, but I'm taking on the ideas because of how you framed it. And that for me just told me how important music really is. Yeah. That it doesn't matter how many times you could say stuff in between songs on stage at a show or on Facebook verbally or textually if you frame it in a song people are always going to be a lot more receptive to the attitudes there um if only because it's accompanied with something that they can associate with on a more yeah ready basis so um yeah when i wrote uh fight it was after uh, i attended a black lives matter march with um a mixed race friend of mine who up to that point had been um you know uh 
to my chagrin at a Tory. Um, and uh, she came out, obviously being mixed race, uh, in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. And a lot of her Tory friends were saying the most abominable things to her um, online. Um, one person even suggested that she go throw herself in the local river. Um, and uh, she said, "It, it, I have to do something about this. I, don't, I can't just say something on Facebook. I have to make myself part mm. of this movement. And she'd never been to a march before or a protest. And obviously because I'd been to university and <laughs> for me, a part of going to university was the, uh, was the protest part of it. So, you know, if there was something happening down King's parade, um, uh, say, uh, you know, defunding the oil industry as part of the university, I'd be like, yeah, with pots and pans banging away defund <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And she'd see that on Facebook and she'd be like, you know, are you planning to go to this protest? I was like, hell yeah, I'm going, but I'm going by myself. And she said, I really want to go. Can I come with you? I was like, of course you can. That'd be amazing. So um, she turned up and it was her first ever protest. She'd made placards and she's quite a timid person. And uh, at first she kind of had her placards hidden and she was singing the slogans along with everybody else in Parliament Square. And I could see her confidence building. I could I could feel her becoming a part of this larger group and 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 bonding with her. You know, the, these people that were her people that had the same issues growing up that she had that she could relate to. And she eventually got her placards out and people started chanting the the slogan she had on her placards. And I could see in her face she felt known, she felt seen, she felt recognized for the first time in her life. Um, and we, uh, as part of the protest, uh, we all started moving from Parliament Square and uh, it was a, it was after the, the George Floyd um, murder. So we were uh, moving uh, west towards the um, US embassy in London. And she turned to me and she said, Billy, I finally feel like I have the language that speaks my experience for the first time in my entire life. And that made me so incredibly, unfathomably sad to know that my friend up till that point till her early 30s her mid 30s felt like she had never been able to even understand let alone vocalize how she was and how she felt and how she identified inside herself um and i just you know i just started crying and uh uh, she was having the best time and, you know, we were, we were all having a great time and we said goodbye. I went straight home and I picked up the guitar and I just started screaming because I was so, all these emotions were so pent up in me. I was, yeah. I was angry for her um, and upset for her. And I was upset about what people like me had made her feel. So I was like, I'm going to talk about my privilege as a white male in the western society and how we even unconsciously let alone consciously have made our friends our loved ones feel sim simply because of the color of their skin and where they their their um uh, descendants came from um and uh, i'd been listening to a lot of future of the left as well so uh fight is very just from the first moment to the very last moment just a punch in the face <laughs> you know yeah. wake up it's essentially just a wake-up call to everybody like me who whether they know it or not possesses a privilege 
that has to make way for these way new ways of thinking about how we're affecting everybody around us and kind of broach the history that it's that that um that has established those kind of um societal norms so um yeah there was some resistance to fight but by and large people were just like this is a jam cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they just they just really liked us playing it live because it was a very very loud song um and uh yeah we put it dead center of the record you know we yeah. really wanted to punctuate the record with it um because uh you know some of the songs in, in the early part of the record are to do with my internal experience as a person uh, coming to terms with various things as i'm going through my life but also with uh, a borderline personality disorder diagnosis and i was like the latter part of the record is about external environmental factors and, and and kind of what's going on with the world online activity friendships relationships um how it felt walking through uh the streets where i grew up and how that emotionally affected me um so you know the pivot for that was this really angry yeah. track that had nothing to do with anything with me that just had everything to do with all of us so yeah 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 and it's such a powerful song lyrically musically um and obviously really interesting to hear the journey uh, of how it was uh created and yeah touching on you know social media as you did it obviously can be used for great good also for great evil unfortunately um but billy bragg actually you speaking of billy you you remind me um of a funny story actually you, you talk about the obviously um it, music helping people identify with with, with what's behind it and, and absorb it more uh, yeah. i saw billy at a show recently and i had one of those annoying uh, groups talking near me and then all of a sudden one of them pipes up and says why does he always have to be so political why can't he just play the songs <laughs> <laughs> and i thought have you never listened to his songs that's <laughs> <Not> really remarkable <laughs> isn't it i mean it's like that tweet that somebody said about rage against the machine it's yes. like god <laughs> because uh, they released something new or or, yeah. or something came about and they were like oh i love rage against the machine but god i, I you know I, I wish it weren't so political it's like the politics is the music yeah. like it's but the music is born out of the politics and their their experiences as you know as um uh members of uh the black community in america during a really yeah. turbulent time uh, of late capitalism like how do you not see like, how have you missed that it's exactly. so integral to the appreciation of, of 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 their music, especially. Um, that's incredible. But yeah, yeah, you know, people talking at shows that fucking winds me up, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lordy. Um, so yeah, yeah, rage against what what machine were they raging against? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, it, oh it, uh, yeah, yeah, Mind boggles, um, doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't yeah, it just does. um so going back now, um uh just before the pandemic and then obviously after because it was disrupted you you were mm. celebrating young fraternity um so i just wanted to ask you know two-pronged question really what was it like for you to to revisit that album and obviously now as you are about to hit the road again um with new material um you know how, how does your mindset have to shift from from obviously playing those older songs to these newer songs uh it was um really quite scary to uh get on stage and play the play the album in song order you know as it appears on the record because um for us the cd and the live performance are two completely separate things you know yeah uh in our heads we are essentially 
uh, a live band, a live touring band that sometimes has to go into the studio <laughs> to make records so that we can go out on tour and, <laughs> and do the thing that we really, truly love. Um, so um, for those those two worlds to collide, um, to get up on stage and do the live thing, the, the, the um, very primal ritualistic performance that we do, in tandem with following this very strict constrained pattern of how the songs appear on the record yeah we were dead scared about it but um it was beautiful it was so lovely um having one song roll into the next because you as as you reach the end of one song you could hear everybody or see everybody anticipate the next song <laughs> there was just this kind of like untamable uh anticipation you know this build-up of tension um that that felt a little bit like theater like somebody going to watch their favorite play and anticipating the next lines um so that in itself was um uh just very interesting just very interesting and there were some songs that i think you know after we finished touring the first record we started right for the second and then what happens is you you keep the best ones that you think work live from the first record and you know you intersperse those with uh, a lot of the new tracks from uh, the album you're promoting or touring at that time um so to go back and play songs like um somewhere that we hadn't touched since 2006 or something was um was really really lovely and it was just so nice to be reminded how great these songs were because you do forget yeah. you know and we were so young so i think in our heads we're like yeah it's the first record it's you know rough around the edges and all that kind of stuff but we were dead precocious we were so driven um and we put together a record at such a young age you know 18 19 20 years old throwing ourselves out into the world like that um and uh i gained a brand new respect for my younger self <laughs> uh but there were moments where um there was this true recognition of the lyrics that i was singing you know a song like oh yeah we never not play it it always mm, has to be yeah. in the set somewhere right because it was a single and it gets everyone going it's got a great drum beat and you know everyone sings along so we've always played it live but when we played it on the Young Fraternity tour, I was vividly reminded of those specific lyrics. These teenage years, well, they don't last. These teenage lips, they speak too fast. And I was like, I'm 35 years old <laughs> singing these lyrics. Like, what am I? <laughs> um, and it just, it made, it, it brought into sharp relief the fact that I was growing old and that, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, that's why the title is as it is young fraternity we relished being young we relished our youth we we had i definitely like had a a, a fear of time a fear of the passing of time of growing old of the dissipation of things of loss i just wanted to immerse and swamp myself with um everything exuberant and uh retain this sense of um wonder at the world which i don't think i've ever truly lost yeah I think, you know, naturally we always acquire this certain amount of cynicism as we yeah. go on, you know, a, a little bit of misanthropy is, is good for the soul. But at the same time, I think it's really important for us to remind ourselves of how we felt when we were younger um, and, and all the pressures and stress, but at the same time, all the joys and vivacity 
um that we were experiencing um so yeah uh yeah the young fraternity tour was was um really magical in that sense and i think going back to playing sort of um more uh synthesized set lists that are ready made for just playing live and being able to play all the other songs from the, from from the newer records again was um uh was itself a relief <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that we weren't beholden to a track <laughs> listening of a record that we could on you know just before we went on stage go actually no let's swap those songs over because i, I actually I've, I've i've gone out there i've kind of got a sense of the evening and i think this will work better before this song or maybe this song in place of this song um so yeah yeah we we, we do like being able to do that yeah no definitely uh and obviously um the shows were fantastic i was able to, to pop along to a couple and i know that cool. the shows you're about to play are going to be really special as well um so obviously everyone listening um if you can obviously um uh, find a show near you to go along to and obviously these days that involves social media so i'll quickly let everyone know that they can follow the subways on instagram facebook and twitter all at the subways which should be quite easy for them to find quite often when i read off the handles there's three different handles to read and <laughs> yeah. yes, they're, they're, they're very um in, ingenious some of them but yeah e easy <laughs> for listeners to find the subways follow the subways um find a show to come along to um obviously it, we've got cluster living crisis we've got all of that going on yeah um and, and people are having to cherry pick you know what they can do so you know with your salesman hat on billy you know why do you think you know people if they're on the fence about coming along why should they come along to one of the shows um right i'm in two minds about this because i i really do not like when bands uh try to hijack the narrative and make it all about themselves which is why i despise chart battles right <laughs> i think one of the great things about releasing a record is that you are releasing a record amongst all your contemporaries and i like to celebrate contemporary our contemporaries as much as I, I, yeah. I like to celebrate our our own release um so i would like to say that please don't feel beholden to coming to one of our shows but if you would like to um experience uh um some uh some very very loud noises and you like to dance you like to crowd surf you like to get uh, sweaty and you want to come to a place where you can uh indulge in some primal screaming and um you know stage diving or whatever um and you want to have a big old smile um then do feel free to buy a ticket and come to one of our shows it'd be wonderful to see you there and to share the experience with you um, but if you feel like you uh, want to experience something um, a little more chill, then there are many other great artists out there that will be happy to take your money and lead you on a fantastic live experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you feel like you've got pent up energy and you want to let that loose, come to our show. Definitely. And that's a beautiful way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I really do like that. And um as a band i've always felt you're one of those bands with, with you know a, a really good live reputation you know um people know that they're gonna have a good time when they come along to something else i've identified through obviously following the band from um back back in the old days as it were 
Um, so uh, not to make that sound too old. The olden yeah. days, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've always been impressed with the quality of the support bands you bring along. And you've yeah. got a couple that I like, obviously Cat Bear coming out on, on this run of the dates of you. And also yeah. uh, Gaffer Tape Sandy, Sandy yeah. sorry, um, who are from just up the road from where I am, actually. So uh, a couple of really good bands to check out. Uh, and you've had some really good bands in the past. Um, yeah, mm. we touched on before we um, started you know, recording the podcast about a band called Berries that you've had out with you. Um, so how how much input do you have into choosing the support bands? Is this your great musical taste, you know, coming out in, in um, the bands you take out with you? It is. We yeah. we, we choose every single act and, um, you know, uh, we, we, we make the executive decisions, you know. When we're going over to tour Europe, we... we we decided that actually we wanted to give the opportunity to local bands to uh, support us. So we have uh, uh, handed over our stipulations to the promoters and said, find a great local band that, that, that fit um, uh, this, this criteria. And the criteria is non all male, all white bands, um, you know, because we feel that um, exploring uh, diversity and representation um is not just great for our audiences it's great for us too we learn so much from our support bands um we're not one of those headline bands that is condescending or patronizing we like to think i don't know if that's actually <laughs> true but we we like to think that we can learn so much from our support bands too um and as you say you know we like to book great support bands there are so many bands out there who don't want to book support acts that are too good yeah. that will blow them <laughs> off the stage uh, we are not afraid of that. We are happy to be blown off the stage because if it means we go on stage and we feel like we have to up our game, that's a that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, if we feel a little bit of fear going on stage, that's a great thing. It makes you care. Um, before I go on stage, I'm always nervous. I sometimes feel like I'm going to puke. Sometimes I do puke because I care, because I care about making a great night for our audiences i care about this thing that i do before i go on stage i'm also just kind of scared about what's going to happen you never know i might break an arm because i'm stupid <laughs> like that you know i'll climb something i might i, I might ruin the tour uh charlotte is always like please don't cl climb anything too high <laughs> and i always do and i sometimes look back on at, at her on the stage when i'm on this balcony or whatever and she's like you idiot <laughs> i can see it written on her face like be careful um uh so yeah you know when we book support bands we like to know that they're gonna give our crowds a great night as well as you know us going on stage and making everyone dance we want them to find a new audience to change minds to um uh because you know i remember going to gigs um one one gig I can remember was going to see the D4 at the Electric Ballroom in like 2001, 2002. Um, and, uh, you know, we were just starting out with our with our own music and a band called The Caesars came on and blew my mind. They became my favorite band. And there were like three people in the venue. <laughs> you know, everyone was off out drinking and they were just going to come and watch the D4. And there was me and Charlotte at the front. And the guitarist just looked at us the whole time. And I was like, I, I never, ever want to miss a support band ever again. You know, I made that promise to myself because I was like, if we'd have done what everyone else did, we would have missed this band. Yeah. And they've just become one of my all time favorite bands. And thankfully, we ended up making good friends with them and going on tour with them. And then uh, uh, we all hooked up at Les Ardans in Belgium because um, a few of the members ended up forming uh, Peter, Bjorn and John. So, um, 
yeah uh it support the support bands establish the um the uh setting you know they yeah. they 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 set the standard for the evening and we like that standard to be great um and uh with cat bear and gaffer tape sandy huge fans of both bands um i've loved gaffer tape sandy for some time now um and i fell in love with uh cat bear when i was at uni um i was i still had my personal twitter going and i received a dm from cat bear they said we're big fans of your band and we've just started writing our own material and we've recorded a song could you listen to it and let us know what you think i was like yeah of course listen to it it's one of the best things i've ever heard Nice. so i said this is incredible please <laughs> keep making music and every year since then they've released one or two singles and they've just been incredible um and so i approached them last year i was like are you guys still together and they said yeah we're still together and it's because of you because you keep giving us these great wow. responses we would have <laughs> quit the band ages ago but you amazing. keep giving us these amazing responses so we keep releasing music i said how would you feel about going on tour and they were like oh i don't know we've never played live before um so uh i decided to put them on at a uh, paper dress vintage on our curated evening uh, introduced them i wanted to use the word genius but it was their first ever gig so i didn't want to pile <laughs> on the pressure uh and like say i think i think uh you know they're geniuses uh and then they're walking on stage going well we have to be geniuses not just do our first show but now we have to be geniuses i just said i really believe in this band i love them i love their music they write incredible music enjoy and they were superb so um to have cat bear and gaffer tape sandy on tour is is a real boon for us we are so looking forward to it and it just makes you know when you've got bands on tour with you that you love it makes every day uh a, a piece of bliss and yeah. that's really what you want to do on tour that's what you want to do every single day is is create um a space for you to be able to appreciate the, the beauties of life um and if you're doing that with people that you appreciate and, and respect and love then and you create an environment of like happiness and joy and appreciation then everyone's having a good time and touring can be a slog so um you know we've been on tour with bands and it's been a trial um, yeah. we've ne never wanted to do that for our support bands so um we always just make sure everyone feels welcome everyone feels happy and supported and that everyone just has a good time which is always again the key point of of, of music for me either on record or especially at a show everyone just needs to have a good time That's um and yeah obviously two very key rules established i think in our conversation today one support the support acts get down there because you never know if you're going to be seeing the next big thing 100 um, and uh, yeah don't talk during shows either yeah please <laughs> that's it i mean yeah. th there is ample time between bands to talk and uh, you know don't not i don't want to be too prescriptive no if you want to say something to your mate go ahead yeah but um like, full-blown conversations yeah full-blown no. really loud conversations <laughs> yeah. when these artists are bearing their soul yeah. to you um and uh there's a lot at stake for them you know these are very hard yeah. times for artists sometimes they're losing money at shows so please just give them time yeah yeah and especially if it's an acoustic show <laughs> that's the especially word. yeah because you know you've not got this wall of sound to compete no. with so you don't need to speak that loudly yeah exactly um so another thing uh that we've been doing recently just to, to bring all of our podcasts to a close over the last month or so is we've got independent venue week coming up which you know I, yeah. i'm such a believer in getting down to see the supports but also getting down to your local venues to see well, yeah. the bands that are, that are breaking out down there and 
um again the industry is so tough it's tough for artists it's, it's tough for fans it's tough mm. for uh venues in particular especially those independent ones you know you don't own an independent venue in 2023 to make money realistically mm-hmm. you're doing it for the love of music yeah. um so we're just asking every band that we talk to 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 give a shout out to their favorite independent venue or venues um, um and obviously hopefully um listeners will be able to pick out a show and, and go down there sure okay there are just so many um <laughs> i i I, I, f- I feel i feel compelled to mention the square in harlow which is now a pile of rubble um, yeah unfortunately and that's because of uh, the tory council there uh and it was under the um under the guise of the uh the tory government who had systematically since 2010 been uh uh, uh creating an environment for the arts industry uh where you know venues fans bands were all really really struggling suffering um crew members having to quit bands having to split up and venues having to close uh and also fans having to stop going to gigs yeah. um i remember a time when um around 2011 2012 2013 2014 those tours more and more every venue you go to oh did you hear this venue's just shut down uh there was one um called the orange box down south uh they said this is the last gig we're ever putting on uh you know we're closing because we simply can't do it um and uh it really it really is because the arts speaks truth to power because it it allows people to find a sense of themselves beyond the working day beyond being just a cog in the machine to create money for these super wealthy people that actually we are validated um and challenged by the arts um and so the tories have done this purposefully you know they've gone around making sure that these social programs that are especially like arts based um arts therapy or or, you know sure start centers um where kids are um are brought in and and you know a sense of uh, community is created from young ages but you know a place like the square which was a youth center uh um and a venue at the same time a place where you could go during the day and talk to the promoters talk to the bar staff uh form um uh uh friendships and you know it's where i met my best friends it's where i met my wife um it's uh where uh all my greatest days were had and they simply couldn't continue they were being sabotaged Mm. on a daily basis by the council and um and they were being ripped apart by uh the lack of support from the government um and uh yeah so the square was uh demolished so that uh luxury flats could be built it's still just a pile of rubble um nearly seven years later uh nothing has been built uh, and i can't i haven't been back to harlow in years because i can't do it i just can't do it it's too heartbreaking um so you know for black wax which was the latest single off the record uh i used a guitar that was built out of the bar top from the square you know after it was uh demolished they went in and picked up the wood from the bar uh this guy called brett Hall- brett halsey was he was doing a luthier course built it murray tor kildson um he was a big inspiration for us um and um an incredible mentor for us uh he fixed the guitar up and um my one of my best friends adam smith uh who goes by the handle of black wax actually because he loves vinyl records uh he let me borrow it for the recording of this song 
Um, and so a part of the square is built, is woven into the fabric of Amazing. this record. Um, but uh, to actually go back to your uh, brilliant <laughs> question, I'm so sorry. Uh, I would say, whew, picking from a hat, Stokes, uh, Stokes Sugar Mill has always been a great venue for us to play. Great people running it. Um, the audiences are always incredible. It's this, just this truly fantastic space uh, in the middle of uh, Stoke City Centre. And uh, we've had some incredible experiences there, not least because of the personnel um, mm. that work there, work so hard to get bands continued, uh, uh, continuing uh, to come through. And um, yeah, they, they've always got their doors open for us. Um, so, you know, we decided to play there. But also we um, we shot the video for the first single off our second record. Uh, for the, We shot the video for Girls and Boys, at the stoke sugar mill so there are a lot of really happy memories yeah. caught on film there for us so uh, it's been a long while since we last played and we're really excited about going back but you know there are countless venues on this tour that we are just so excited about going back to and um yeah uh but if you can just you know make the trip up to stoke because it's a good place yeah excellent uh, yeah certainly um great reputation the sugar mill has uh, and again uh you know the, the industry now the cost of an arena ticket to go see a big band in an arena you know is just getting astronomical when you factor in travel and stuff for yeah. people as well so hey listeners you know if, if you can't afford that perhaps just head along to your local venue uh for a much cheaper night and you'll probably get just as great a music um and experience from that so that'd be my message um and as we bring the podcast to a close billy uh, i always like to finish by handing over to you and saying what would you like the last message to be Thank you so much. Um, I just like the last message to be, um, wow, that's quite a responsibility. It's a lot um, of pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just um, tell the people uh, that you love, that you love them. Don't hold back. Life's too short. People are too precious. Uh, love music. Enjoy music. Support bands. Support your fellow music appreciators. Uh, you know, uh, in uh uh as a consequence of that uh last fantastic question um yeah love your local music venues and um yeah just um in a world that is in continuous entropy try and create something a beautiful final <laughs> message billy <laughs> um and yeah thank you for joining us on the podcast thank you so much it's been wonderful um i hope you have a wonderful day well, thank you everyone for listening. I really do hope you enjoyed that chat there with the Subways and I hope you check out their new album, Uncertain Joys. Um, and of course, follow the band on social media to keep up to date with everything coming from them. Uh, you can also follow Full Pelt on social media. We're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And finally, if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening, because we'll be back very soon with another episode of the Full Pelt Music podcast.